Hi, I'm Dr. Stephen Richheimer, and it is my pleasure to welcome you to Pain Know-How, the official podcast of the online pain medicine program at the Keck School of Medicine at USC, the University of Southern California. I'm the program director. This podcast is dedicated to sharing evidence-based information to enhance the practice of any clinician that treats patients that experience pain. All our speakers are experts in their fields and they will provide listeners with the most up-to-date information. Thank you for listening. Now let's go to today's episode. Hi everyone, I'm Karthik Dipala, a fourth year medical student and welcome to the USC Pain Medicine Podcast. Today, I'm honored to introduce Dr. Faye Weinstein, who's an associate professor in the Department of Anesthesiology and Psychiatry at the Keck School of Medicine at USC. Dr. Weinstein attended UCLA for her BA in Psychology and MA and PhD in Education Counseling Psychology. Her postdoctoral trainings at St. John's Health Center at Richheimer Pain Institute, Cedars-Sinai Medical Center, and the USC Pain, Pain Center on Keck School of Medicine. She's now faculty at the Keck School of Medicine. Her clinical areas of interest include pain management psychology, stress management, post-traumatic stress, and anxiety disorders. She enjoys lecturing about the psychology of chronic pain and encouraging providers to incorporate a biopsychosocial model of care. Uh, we're so grateful to have you here today. Thank you for coming on, Dr. Weinstein. Thank you for having me. Sure. So I'll just jump right into a couple of questions that I had for you. Um, so would you be able to discuss the interplay between physical pain and the mind and, and kind of the relationship between the two? Well, you mentioned uh, the uh, model for this uh, in your introduction. Uh, thank you for that. The biopsychosocial model is the best way uh, to um, conceptualize chronic pain and to treat chronic pain. And I think what what happens is while people recognize the model itself, um, oftentimes they ignore the, the psychosocial pieces. And I think that is something that really can't be separated out because with chronic pain comes suffering. And um, we can't just give a patient, for instance, one treatment because of the complexity of chronic pain. Sure. So for instance, just giving patients medications um, may not be enough to uh, hit all the different variables that are contributing to their chronic pain, magnifying chronic pain, or may even present a barrier for adherence to whatever treatment you're prescribing. Um, in pain psychology, we really take a look at the, the different parts of pain and try to address them through education for the patient, uh, psychotherapy, looking at the patient's environment, as well as self-regulation training in order to help the patient manage their pain, decrease their pain, and to support whatever the physician happens to be doing in terms of treatment, as well as some of the other providers that the patients might be seeing, including occupational therapy and physical therapy because the patient is dynamic in their environment um, and in their needs. We really do need all the different uh, providers' contributions to really get at all the, the nooks and crannies of chronic pain. 
Sure. And I agree completely. I think, you know, the biopsychosocial model is a great way to look at pain and especially the psychosocial component of it. It has a very important role in, you know, pain management. And I think every discipline can learn to consider patients' psychosocial situations, you know, before figuring out, you know, what's the best way to manage the pain and how to best approach the situations. Um, so that kind of brings me to my next question, you know, what impacts have adequate pain control had on patient's mental health and psychological well-being in your experience? And what do you believe was done right in these cases? Well, I think the, the word that you use, adequate, um, you know, what, what kind of treatment is adequate for the patient? And what, what level of pain relief is adequate for the patient? And this is where we really need to work as a team with the physician uh, in terms of managing the patient's pain because the most, important, um, the most important thing is for us to know what the patient's real need is. You know, what is their need? Um, we have many patients who, you know, maybe will have pain in different places um, and they'll wanna deal with their CRPS pain more than they might wanna deal with back, back pain at that moment or during a certain time of the year. Um, and we have many patients who need help and support, you know, handholding uh, from providers. Um, and sometimes physicians um, who are very busy and only have a short time with patients don't emphasize that enough. Uh, physicians are definitely key uh, in, in helping form a safe place for the patients to really benefit from treatments that they're getting to manage their pain identifying what they need, identify what is important uh, for patients in terms of their function in their daily life. Um, and maybe the patient suffering, for instance, is that they are grouchy all the time because of their pain. We really wanna think about um, as a healthcare provider, whoever you are, that we can't just say, okay, let's just focus on the pain part. We really have to focus on the other part of their concern. And I think when this is done right, when a healthcare provider sits down and, and it spends a bit more time with the patient to find out what their priorities are, what their needs are, uh, rather than assuming, um, I think that uh, usually gets an exceptional response. I think pacing uh, treatment to what the patient can do and is ready to do um, is also uh, important in doing this right. Because many times, when we are making an assessment of the patient, we can see just through our own eyes and ears that, oh, there's these you know, five issues that I think would be really good to take care of for the patient. And that may be true, but that may not be the patient's list or it may not be in the same order. Um, and sometimes there are things on the list that the patient might feel are too intrusive, like weight management, maybe they're not there yet or there's uh, issues that we want them to tackle that they are just not able to do because they are dealing with um, other life issues, uh, maybe housing insecurity, or they have uh, financial issues that are more of a priority. So we really wanna help um, get the picture of the patient's needs before we go forward with some of the, the great treatments that we have to offer. Uh, when this is done well, and patients can be more receptive because we've um, set the stage for it. 
uh, then I think patients will avoid the problem of uh, prematurely saying, no, 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 no. Sure. The doctor doesn't understand. Um, so definitely, uh, definitely a needs assessment, even though the patient says they're there for pain, we have to find out what else is there. Definitely. I agree completely. And I think you mentioned a couple different points that really stood out to me. And the first thing is that you need to meet patients where they're at. Sometimes, you know, you might have your own goals for the patient and they might have different goals. I think figuring out, you know, what do they want and how can we best help the patient is, is what we need to consider and, you know, keep our minds on. And, and also just figuring out, you know, what is important to the patient and, you know, even above meeting them where they're at, you know, what, it, what are their goals? You know, what do they want? And kind of focusing on those instead of just kind of giving out the same treatment to multiple different people, make, maybe having a more individualized and personalized plan for each patient based on, you know, their own wants and needs and what their, you know, what their needs assessment is. So I agree completely. And kind of transitions me to my next question. And, and this question is one that I've asked everyone who's come on the podcast, because, you know, USC is a place where we emphasize, you know, multidisciplinary education and interdisciplinary learning, and, you know, collaboration with the whole team. So, you know, what do you feel is important for other members of the healthcare team to know about your role in alleviating and mitigating pain? Well, I think that um, I'm very fortunate in the team that we're, that I'm working with in that the team members do have an interest in what I do. Uh, I think that's very helpful. Um, and this is where um, I know that having uh, training, um, even at the resident and fellow level, is uh, important so that they have some ownership of, of knowledge about what, what the other treatments do. You know, what are they like? What are the patients going through? So that it's not considered, oh, that part is for other people to take care of. I'm just going to focus on my one thing. Uh, so for instance, you might have a patient um, that you are treating as a physician uh, who has back pain and they're not progressing and you're giving them awesome medications and different treatments, uh, different procedures um, without really getting any help that leaves you kind of stuck because they're still saying my pain is a nine out of 10, my pain is still a nine out of 10. What is important to know is, you know, what do other folks do and how can they interact with each other? Um, I do like it when I get uh, questions and interests uh, from different team members um, to even ask a little bit beyond what their knowledge is. So, so many times um, uh, physicians might know that, oh, the pain psychologist does cognitive behavioral therapy with the patients um, and they do biofeedback. But to go beyond that and to know, well, what does that mean? What is the patient's experience of that is important. Even, even, even something that's very basic to treatment is working with patients on retraining their sympathetic nervous system and parasympathetic nervous system. This is one of the, the, um, the main thrusts of pain psychology. And how do we do that? And even a basic like diaphragmatic breathing. So let's say you refer a patient to pain psychology um, and then the patient comes back to you. And as a physician, I hope that you would say, and I encourage our, um, our fellows and residents to say, how is treatment going? What did you learn? 
And something like that increases the alliance with the patient, right? Gives them some accountability, shows that um, you as the physician really cares, right? That's, that is very important and very important to the patient. Um, and so even something like, have you worked on diaphragmatic breathing? To know that that's something that I do, um, the patient really knows that you know, right? And for some physicians even to go a little farther and say, show me, you know, show me what you're doing, how you're doing it. Whenever we have a patient, and, and most of the patients we have in the chronic pain clinic, they're, they're complicated. And so I know that our physical therapists and occupational therapists also know this. So you may get a patient, let's say the same patient who's not progressing, and we'll have a team meeting about that. And um, at that point, I can communicate some information that maybe they don't know. So for instance, for this patient, one of the things that they may be doing is that they are not uh, they're not doing their home physical therapy exercises and they're not really being completely honest about that with their physical therapist. Now the physical therapist knows this. So what do they do next? Um, we can talk about it. And maybe some of my discoveries, like they're not doing their physical therapy exercises at home because their pain levels go up and they're afraid if their pain levels go up, that they'll keep going up and up and up pain medication won't work and they'll end up in the emergency room because they're picturing um, that the exercise itself actually aggravates and inflames muscles. They've heard that word inflames and they're picturing the muscle get bigger and redder and tighter and painful. Okay, so we have a couple issues going on. We have a communication issue um, that they're not communicating that to the physical therapist. We have a fear-related issue. We have a pain avoidance issue. And they are, there are parts of this that I can help the patient with. I can communicate um, uh, with the patient on some of these issues and help them with psychotherapy um, and other strategies towards managing that, uh, those issues, um, as well as thinking about some of the images that they're having and talking about how accurate or less accurate there might be. And by discussing this with the physical therapist, for instance, they can give me information about the patient's capacities and that, oh, you know, they've never told me any about, about any of these things. Or, oh, that's not really true in terms of what happens to a muscle. This is what happens. Um, we both get on the same page. We can communicate better with the patient and, and get an idea of what's going on. And even bringing that back to the physician uh, because maybe um, this can help the physician in terms of what they're, what's happening with medication or when physical therapy might take place. Maybe it needs to have take place more intensively after a uh, block, for instance. Occupational therapy um, is another treatment modality that um, does have some areas of overlap with pain psychology. And uh, we do have many discussions at our team meetings and um, you know, other types of communications about where this overlap occurs and what um, I may be better suited for delving into with a patient. So for instance, a physical, um, excuse me, an occupational therapist might, and, and myself might be working on sleep hygiene. And what 
um, what I would want the occupational therapist to know is that I would not be not only giving the person some education about sleep hygiene, but also going a little deeper in terms of sleep history, uh, trauma history, negotiation with bed partners about sleep, um, even their ability to communicate sleep needs. So let's say you have a patient with chronic pain, lower back, who's supposed to be getting specific bedtimes and specific wake-up times, right? The occupational therapist has told them, you know, no, no TV, you shouldn't be looking at your devices in the bedroom. But their bed partner um, likes to, you know, whatever, play, play games on their phone uh, right before bed and wants their partner to play along with them. That's been kind of a, a ritual, right? They're playing their, their games together. Well, how do you do that? How do you negotiate that? What if that's something you're not good at? You know, how do you even negotiate getting a TV out of the bedroom? Sure. Um, so there's, there's parts of this that I would be able to delve into more as a psychologist than maybe the occupational therapist would. Um, and by interacting with our team members, uh, we, can, you know, we can figure this out and keep them informed of that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And thank you so much for telling us about, you know, your role on the team. And it's, it's really remarkable to see the overlap in the roles of different team members too, like you're mentioning between pain psychology and occupational therapy. And I feel like there is so much overlap and it's so important to have the entire team on the same page and, you know, collaborating with each discipline. I think that's all so imperative in optimizing patient care. Um, we really appreciate your contribution to your team and to the team. And thank you so much for all you do. I um, also wanted to thank you so much for your time and your insights into pain management. Uh, we've really enjoyed having you on the podcast today. Uh, thank you for having me. Of course. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Pain Know-How. If you want more information about our online programs, please visit our website at painmed.usc.edu or send an email to us at painmed at usc.edu. Looking forward to seeing you next time. Thank you.